Welcome to Married AF. We are your hosts, Brooke and Randall Fowler. On this show, we discuss the topics that really matter. Like big veiny cocks and our favorite TV shows. So pull up a chair at our kitchen table and hang out. While I bulldog my nuts. (laughs) Oh, we are live. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are here on time with the powerful Kristen Beck here. Chief, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Anytime. And and because we're all Viking fans here, all three of us, I know that you're a huge uh, Viking fan and we'll get into that, but I wanted to do a, a, a toast and boast. Um, just in celebration of having you here and hanging out. So tell me if I'm doing it right. I'll go first if that's okay. And then we'll go around the horn and do one. And uh, we'll hey, get- hang on. I need to go get a drink then. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I'll start while you're getting a drink. Okay. Perfect. All right. So with the toast and boast, the way that it works is you uh, you start off first by saying what's most important in life, all right? To me, that'd be friends and family, sons. That's what Uncle Randy says. That's what he does. That's what I believe. All right, second part, who's your hero? Anybody that knows me knows Pat Tillman's my hero, sons. Champion football player and a patriot. Love me some Pat Tillman. What are you most proud of? Well, for me, I'm proud of the friendships that we've made with people. I'm proud that my wife still likes to do naughty things with me, sons, <laughs> all the time. And what's my mission? Well, we're going to talk to uh, Chief about that, too, because I don't, I don't know if Chief is privy to it. But, you know, my mission now is to get elected governor of Georgia in 2022. And that's the real deal, sons. So there's my, my toast to that. Nice. All right. Now, you want to go, babe? We'll let Chief finish us off. I have to go? You didn't, like, prep me for this or anything? No. You just start (laughs) off with what's most important in life. It's going to be a lot of the same things, I think. Go for Uh, it. Most important in life is our family and our friends that are also family. And my hero, I would have to say, is my sister, Susan. Powerful Susan. Who is a cancer survivor and um, I just love her so much. She's a badass. Um, and I'm most proud of our kiddos, um, Gunner and Griffin. They are awesome. Um, I feel like we had a hand in how. We sure did. That is something to be proud of. <laughs> um, and my mission is to just continue to be the best mama and stepmama that I can. All right. I love it. <laughs> All right, Chief. All right, Chief, and then we'll drink. (laughs) What's most important in life? Uh, For me, it's always been liberty. I think that our our country was founded on the fact it was liberty, you know, escaping uh, Europe and some of the hardships we had over there for religious liberty in the beginning, kind of, and a lot of other things. But I just think our country, the biggest thing we have to remember that we were founded on liberty. We were founded on that, that liberty for all people. And some folks, you know, say that it really wasn't, but I truly believe that we've been trying really hard as a country. And that's the one word and one thing that I live for. 
And that's what I value most is liberty. Beautiful. Here, here. Yeah. Cheers. Who's my hero? Uh, yeah. I do, when I do Viking toast, you do you you do the question, then you toast All it. All right. Well, let's do it. I'm pouring more. I got plenty. You keep <laughs> you keep going, Chief. <laughs> so, who's my hero? Well, I, I go through a lot of different names. I go through a lot of different folks of of who I have had in my life as heroes. You know, going from like folks like General Patton and General Marshall. You know, from the Marshall Plan and how he rebuilt Europe. And there are so many heroes throughout history that you can look at. You know, dating back even back to the Vikings, you know, Eric the Red and a bunch of the other ones. But um, I think that the everyday working man, the the person who works every day and has a family and takes care of his family. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, the celebrities and the people you can look at who make those huge splashes in history. And maybe they don't. But the thing is, the biggest thing we can pass on for history is that everyday working man, the family man. The person who's there for his family every day and goes to work every day at nine to five. That's a hero because that's the person that makes the country go. That's the person that keeps everything going and raises his children. And then those kids end up being, you know, who knows, astronauts and presidents and everything else. But that that working person, I said working man, but that's kind of like. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That takes care of his family and works every day. That's my hero. Yeah. Boom. Cheers. Uh, Everybody drink to that. I got it. That is. Um, And then the most is uh, what am I most proud of? I'm most proud that I'm able to do this with you right now, Uncle Randy. Mm -hmm. I'm most proud that sometimes I'm able to speak out and I'm able to give my point of view, you know, a point of view that is different than a lot of Americans, but if you really think about what I've been fighting for ever since I came on, you know, out of the military and I started living my life as Kristen, you know, I'm not that different. You know, I'm an American, red, white, and blue. I still got all the guns in my gun rack and I drive a truck. You know, I have my Harley Davidson's and my dog. I haven't, none of us are that different. If you just sit down and meet somebody, sure. if you sit down and talk to somebody, you know, we have a lot of the same values. We have a lot of the same dreams. We have a lot of the same goals. So what I'm most proud of is the fact that I'm able to speak out and people think I'm so different. But when they get to meet me, they go, dang, you're a lot like Uncle Randy and you cuss a lot and drink a lot. But <laughs> I love living my life, you know, and, and I'm going to do it, live my life on my terms. Yep. That's what I'm most proud of, that I'm able to to bring folks like myself out of the shadows, you know, and let people know that. Dude, I'm just like you. So that's what I'm most proud of. Boom. Cheers to that. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna get drunk, Chief. You we're supposed to drink to everyone though. So I I gonna, I'm drinking to everyone. <laughs> Each one that you gave, I missed all yours though, so I wasn't able to drink uh, yours. Yeah, you'll catch up. We'll get but, you caught up. the thing is, this is like an ancient Viking tradition. This goes back to the long road. I love and, it. Absolutely. And, and uh They'd sit around and do this with each other all the time. Before every raid, they would just talk around the fire. They they didn't have television sets. They didn't have this stuff. They had a bonfire and mead yeah, out of a yeah. Yep. And they would sit around and, and they would talk. When was the last time you sat around with all your friends and you went through all four of these? You learned so much about each other. You learn about people. You learn who their real heroes are. You learn where their heart is, 
Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Yep. You know? And they did this every day. We don't do that anymore. No. And we when don't. you start doing that, when you start lighting a fire with social connection and, and learning about each other and knowing who each other are. So what's my goal? My goal is to, well, heck, I already made it through 2020, the year. <laughs> I think, what, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but my goal is, is uh, just to try to save some of those veterans that we have that we're losing. We're losing 22 veterans a day. We're losing a lot of folks to just things where it's inconsequential in their lives. That moment that they, they get so dread upon, you know, and they don't know that they're taking a permanent solution to something that's just a temporary problem. But we have to figure out a way to reach out to folks. You know, we have to figure out a way to, to let them see that, Hey man, wait until tomorrow. Let's, let's talk. Let's do the toast and boast. And let's yeah. learn about it. Let's sit down and have a drink. And that was what I was setting up my nonprofit mindful valor was to do just that, to try to reach out in different ways. It's alternative therapies and alternative methods and I get a forge set up in my garage, and I have the forge and the anvil and everything, yeah. and I have it set up for wheelchair height so that dudes in wheelchairs can come to my forge, and it can just roll right up and start yeah. forging. I bet that is some great therapy. Oh, yeah. So Pounding on some metal. <laughs> and you make something when you get done with it. Yeah. You end up with, like, check this out. This is a Viking oath ring. So oh, you guys know. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I forged this oath, oath ring and it has like my blood, sweat, and tears in this thing. And it's got the tail wrapped on it and it's really cool. But that's an oath ring. And you have to take this stuff serious. And if you really think about it, we're doing it today, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My goal is yeah. to try to help all those veterans that we're losing. And I want to do it in alternative ways. You know, if you want to take mushrooms, man, take mushrooms. Yes. If you want to smoke a joint, smoke a joint. Whatever's going to make you feel good, whatever's going to make you reach into something deeper to get something out of your life, to figure something out, to keep on going, and we're going to figure it out. Come over to my forge, man. We'll make yeah. some knives. Okay. We'll some That's my goal, is to reach those veterans, and we're going to start end the 22. Here, here, to the toast and boast, sons. This is beautiful. I need to get you one of those Viking horns to drink out of, babe. <laughs> Absolutely. That is you gangster. Have to. That is so gangster. <laughs> So I want to tell everybody before we get started, we met Chief a couple years ago. Um, she came on our show uh, early, and we—I mean, we literally our show had. I think no it was almost listeners. two years ago. And uh, she came on. We had a great time. It was just a qu- uh, listener Q and A. We shot the shit. It was awesome. After that, Uncle Randy started fucking around with forging. I started mm-hmm. learning. I've always wanted to know. I always wanted to be able to know that if the shit hit the fan and all I had was fire and metal laying around, that I could make some weapons to keep yep. myself and my family alive if I had to. So I started fucking around with tire irons, rebarb, mm-hmm. hot coals on the ground. I'm talking about a coal with a hair blower blowing into it to get it hot enough. And yep, uh Mm-hmm. And I made my first knife out of rebar. And I reached out to Chief. I sent you, um, it may have been a Twitter DM or a text, yeah. and was like, hey, look, I'm learning how to forge. And you were like, can you make me a full tang hatchet like the one I carried when I was a SEAL? And you sent me a picture. And yep. I made my best option of it. It's in my garage it's right so now. It's done. <laughs> I just got to put a handle on it that I'm proud of, which is the hardest part to me because I'm not the woodworker yet. Um, but I've got it all forged out and it's pretty awesome. 
And when we talked today, we decided that now that Chief is forging, she's going to make a knife for Uncle Randy. It's mm-hmm. like an Uncle Randy edition for us, and we'll, we'll post it in here whenever she's done with it. And you hunt, right? You're a hunter? Um, yeah, I've hunted before. I'm not big. Like, I don't do it now. When I was a kid, we hunted a lot. Um, but I love Skinner's. Like you, you said, a Skinner knife is great. Yeah, my, me and my dad in Colorado, we hunt it all the time. Opener, knife opener. So it's like a box cutter, Skinner, yep. whatever you want to use it for. But Absolutely. the thing is, like, knives I try to make, I'm not going to make those giant Rambo sure. drum knife. I want to try to make something that's very useful that you can use every day. So yeah. it's going to have a super hard edge on it. Yep. And, you know, sharpen that thing up and you can cut a million boxes open. Mm-hmm. It'll still be sharp. And so, so that's what I want something that you can use for, for just opening all the – Amazon stuff that you shop for every day. And I've been wa- I've been watching <laughs> your day. videos as you've gotten into forging. And, I mean, you're a multi-fat, multi-talented person. You've always been able to work your way around. I mean, you've had a farm. You've always grown up doing shit outdoors, and you're a champion. Um, but the forging is pretty new to you. And watching you do it, it actually excites me because I see the excitement in your videos of you doing shit like the anvil table you just made, which is beautiful, by the way. If you get a chance to look at uh, Chief's uh, Facebook page and check that table out, it's a fucking work of art, mm-hmm. the anvil table. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's that? Before I could walk you out into my, into my forge area. It's fucking all. And, <laughs> but what's that giving you? Like, how, how much is forging helping you? Because I know for me, I loved it when I was learning. I was obsessed with it. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm totally obsessed right now. Because just like you said, like, you're taking a piece of metal, just a, a piece of rebar. That's, it's junk. And I'm getting stuff out of the junkyards. Mm-hmm. I'm getting leaf springs. I'm getting stuff from all over, just stuff that people threw away. You know, railroad um, spikes, yep. just oh, yeah. whatever. And I'm taking that stuff, and, and you're taking something that was discarded and rusty and nasty, and you're making something really beautiful. Like, I mean, this oath ring That's awesome. was made out of you know, an old – it was a longer piece of metal, but uh, it was basically, you know, junk and all rusty, and after it's forged, you know, it was forged welded there because I had to get it a little longer and all that. But, I mean, you're learning a lot of really cool skills. That looks great. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you see that question, can you see that question I just posted, Chief? Chief sell the knives. Can you hear about that? Yeah. So I, I am going to start selling knives. I've, uh, I have, I'm not really making a ton of them right now. And so if anybody does buy them from me in the beginning right now and my name's on them, it's going to be pretty expensive because I'm only making a few. Like I'm, I'll make like maybe 10 a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be production. This is like art. This is going to be collector pieces. And then what I'm going to do with that money that I get from it, I do want to give it to a nonprofit. And so I will use that to try to advance what I'm doing in my forge. And I want to buy, be able to buy a plane ticket for, you know, guys who are uh, paralyzed or whatever, you know, has mobility issues or anything. Because I think those guys, when was the last time you saw somebody in a wheelchair forging anything? You know? Yeah, I haven't seen I it. I think maybe on an episode <sighs> of Forged and Fire. Maybe. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm, they did that. I, th- I yeah. thought there was one guy. Maybe I don't know, but like, I can't think of a better exercise. But I think he was a veteran too. Because anybody that's hand forged, and, and there's a difference in people. Like there's some people that will just do, um, I forget what they call it, but they'll just basically get a bar of metal and cut a knife and then grind it. That's not what we're doing. We're talking about forging. With fire. Yeah, you make it and mold it yeah. from nothing into something, which is what makes it beautiful. <laughs> There's like a phone app you have called Grinder. That's where those guys go to find. 
Uh-huh. Isn't, uh-huh. That, isn't that what that's for? Oh, yeah. I think, oh, I've, yeah. I've heard the same thing. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. They just grind them down, and that's all they do. That's it. I mean, to me, that's not the same. I mean, I respect whatever people do, but that, to me, isn't the same. Like, what I get out of turning an old wrench or rebarb or something into a knife you know to me it's awesome and i like the fact that you're saying you only do 10 a year because i was slow when i really cared about one like the one i made jody b Mm-hmm. Uh, I put a lot of effort into that motherfucker. It took me yeah. a long, long uh, time. You haven't done anything with, like, since we moved no, into this house. No, because this, that's why I was telling Chief, I, I've got to build a little shed because it's so... I don't know where so, you're going to do that. D- like, it creates a lot of <laughs> debris, and I just need to have a place to do it. But I want to get back You're into fine. it. I love it. I'm a bachelor, you know, so I don't have to worry about debris or anything. Yes. I have it in the house. So my forge is, like, in the house. I'm awesome. not worried about it. My big screen TV is right there, you know, and the phone is right there, and and I have the toolbox. The motorcycles in my living room. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't worry about all that. That is stuff. a bachelor pad. <laughs> hey, well, I want to get into this because I know a lot of people are wanting to hear, Chief. I I know that we've talked about it before, but for the people that haven't um, met you or listened to an interview from you, they want to know about. And I'll start here. I read. I, I remember an interview with you where you said you left home in tenth grade and you went and lived in the woods for a little bit. Yeah. Um, how does somebody go from living in the woods, leaving the house in tenth grade, to becoming a Navy SEAL? And what is buds like? These are questions I've been getting from listeners, so they they want to hear these things. So the thing is, like, I didn't want to leave home, but uh, I was doing this construction job and and. And the guy I was working for had a garage. In the corner of the garage was this old beat up motorcycle. And I asked him, I said, it was covered in dust. And it was just beat, it was a beat to hell motorcycle. So I uh, said, how, how long would I have to work to get that motorcycle? So he said, you know, two months. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so I worked for two months and got the motorcycle. I worked on it, I fixed it. And then I uh, took it home, mm. you know? My mom saw it. She was like, there'll be no motorcycles in this house. Uh. And I was like, all right. So I walked out. And I got to my room. I packed up a couple of bags. And then I threw them all on a motorcycle with bungee cords and all that. And I started riding. And I knew there was a halfway house way off the road in the woods. It was for prisoners, ex-cons. So this halfway house, I figured this is a huge pine trees, this stand of pine trees. So I lived about a half mile from the halfway house with all these ex-cons. And then I started washing all the dishes and taking care of all the stuff around the halfway house to be able to live, you know, to eat yeah, food and sure. care of it. How old so were that, you? So I was in 10th grade. Tenth grade. So was oh, my God. That's Griffin's so, age. 15-year-old living out in a pine tree. Yeah, but like, I made a little and I could heat it up with my motorcycle, so I'd start to bike up, and I'd run it for a while and get it going. Really crafty. You crafty, so Your, your mom didn't come looking for you in the, like... Yeah, they kind of left me alone because they knew I was really stubborn. And <laughs> okay, okay. I'm really stubborn too. <laughs> and, uh, so it took them like a month, but it was in like October, November in upstate New York. It was all snowy and <laughs> I kept crashing a motorcycle because it was all icy on the roads. And on the way to school from the, from the lean-to, I would probably crash three or four times. You were still and, going to school but living in the woods? Yeah, yeah, because I was on a wrestling team. So I would wrestle in the morning for uh. morning practice. And I would shower and then go to school and then I would wrestle because we weren't doing a lot of construction in the wintertime. And I would wrestle after school, shower up, go to the halfway house, clean dishes, eat some food, and go in the woods. And I don't want to interrupt you, oh Chief. My I don't want to be rude, oh, but, that's but that's a perfect segue. 
I've watched your documentary. I've read everything on you. I consider you a friend. I love you. And I've seen cited from multiple course, uh, courses of people that know you from high school and college that you were a rascal. <laughs> that you, you enjoyed a good scrap. You had no problem scrapping with a motherfucker. Yeah, I had to punch some guy in the face the other night. It was like, yes. You know, I mean, it happens. Yeah, yeah. it happens. It does happen. I walked away. We were in a bar. This is actually eight months. It was like just in the beginning of COVID. So it was like beginning of 2020. I mean, 2020. Back when you could be out at bars and stuff. Yeah, we were at the bar. And I was sitting at the bar. And this guy starts like from pretty far away. starts giving me all this crap. Oh, my God. And I was like, dude, leave me alone, man. And somebody says, hey, that's it's Chris and Beck, veteran, you know, just. She earned that you, right. You should walk like, away. Right. <laughs> I was like, no, girl, you know, that's all. And he was talking all whack. And I was like, dude, leave me alone. So I let it go for about 20 minutes. And I was like, dude, I'm just, and I got up, paid my bill, and I started walking out. Guess what the guy did? He followed you. He freaking followed me out. That's a bad decision like, on his part. It's a bad choice. All the time, give me all this crap. And then he walked out the bar, and I turned around, and I was like, what are you doing, dude? And he walks right up to me. So I take my right foot back and kind of get into a southpaw stance, but I can have the right ready to go. So I'm standards perfectly. He steps right into it, and he pokes me in the chest. I'm going, dude, that's assault. So wait. Right. <laughs> I put him right there. I put him right on the ground. He's laying on the ground, knocked out. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you poked me in the chest. You gave me crap for 20 minutes, followed me out, poked me in the chest. That's enough, man. You know, and I, didn't, I tried to get out of there. I was walking away. I was out. I was gone. What so, a fucking dickwad. Way people just keep pursuing it, keep going. I think he just thought you were hot, and then he, he wanted. He was. He could like, have been pulling that yeah. old first grade tactic where oh, when you yeah. think somebody's hot and you pull their hair and you fuck with them, and then they end up beating your ass. I, I still have lead in my arm, Chief. No bullshit from the yeah. first grade where. This girl, I can't remember her name, blonde-haired, pretty little girl. I, kept, I have lead in my arm, too, but it was like not. Yeah, I was, I, was pulling her, I was pulling her hair from behind in the desk, and she kept saying to stop. And I was like, no, because I liked her. And she turned yeah. around and dug her number two pencil into my forearm and snapped it off, and I can still see the lead in that spot. That's a, that's a girl after my own heart. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> you probably never did that again. Did never you? did again. Never again. You're like, I guess girls don't like that. I got but I have to let my arm too. It's like right about here. So it's, it's, it's a different same spot. Same spot. <laughs> it's like right in Yours here. Yours probably from some kind of awesome like war injury though. Like well, what, what, better, better than his. <laughs> yeah, we'll hey, get to that. So, so you enlist in the Navy, Chief. And what makes you think or what makes you decide, I want to be a SEAL? And then what is the training like for the layman, for the for the non-champions? Hell, Uncle Randy's an athlete. He's a stud. He understands what you're talking about when you talk about championship level. But some of these <laughs> listeners, they don't. So tell them what it's like to be a champion and finish out Buds. And is it like what it's in the movies? And why did you choose that career path? Okay, so Buds is nothing like the movies. It's a little bit like what you saw with some of that um, History Channel documentary stuff, yep. how they did that. It's similar to that, but they don't show you everything. And they also don't show you, like, it's over six months long period of time. Mm. So they don't show you day in and day out, constantly going, going, going. All they're showing is little snippets on TV or snippets in the movies. 
So the, the six months long, if you start getting a partial injury at month two, mm. by the time it's month three or month four, you're getting hurt pretty bad. And, mm. the, and the injuries just keep on exacerbating, getting bad and bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're prone to injuries or you have an injury when you start, you're probably not going to finish. Yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of like shin splints and shit, right? Yeah. Like from running on sand and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's a... Yeah, we have a base. We have a, a unit in Hawaii. It's a we don't. It's just it's one of the units, but uh, yeah, we train everywhere we go, all around the world. We're always working out, always lifting weights, mm-hmm. always doing something. <clears throat> but the the buds training, you can never imagine how tough it is because it's such a long duration course and it's constantly being beat on. So you're being abused mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. They're trying to do everything they can to you to try to make you quit. And you bring it right up to the edge of quitting, and then you're almost getting ready to fall over that precipice, and then you get pushed over the precipice, then they grab you, mm-hmm. and they revive you. They actually do revive people when they drown or when stuff happens. That was a question I had for you. I'm going to be honest. It's on the list, and I didn't say it. I was going to ask, do they really drown, motherfuckers? But you got yeah, to it. So keep going, Chief. Yeah. Guys die when they're in training. Guys break legs and fall off things 40 feet high. And, uh, you know, do all kinds of stuff happens all the time. But the thing is, looking here in mirrors. But but the thing is, is like it's such a long duration and it's constant, and they keep pushing over that precipice. Now, can you imagine for six months long you've been pushed across that precipice and you're falling, you're drowning, you're grabbing, you pull you back, and then they start retraining you, and then about three hours later they're pushing you back across the precipice, and you do that for six months. Man, you're tough, man. Mind, body, yeah, sure. you're like you're like you're unstoppable and that's the reason for buds Mm -hmm. the reason for buds is to try to push people it's just like forging and hardening the steel you know you're you're just hitting that steel and you're just crushing it and you're making it and you're shaping it into something that's a tool to be used we're not tools that's probably a bad word (laughs) we're not robots (laughs) we're we're thinking people you know we're mentally sharp we're physically sharp and we've been pushed over that precipice so many times that we know where it is. I know exactly what that line is mm-hmm. for me right now. Yeah. I know that I run, you know, 35 miles right now, True. and it would take a couple of hours, you know. But if I push a little further than that 35 miles, I can do 36. I know I can go past it. Mm-hmm. So every limit I have that I think I put on myself, I also know I can break that limit. Yeah, and now yeah. let me ask you a question about that, Chief. That, that's huge. And I want to know – from your class that graduated buds, how many guys that graduated at one point talked about quitting to you, to each other? And are you building each other up every day and being like, Hey, John, don't quit, man. You're good. You got it. Or do you guys just never say quit the ones that end up making it? Yeah. The ones that end up making it, you know, you don't, it doesn't come across your mind. Okay. Cause for me, it's like living out in the woods with my motorcycle. Cause I moved out of the house in mm. 10th grade. I was like, you know what? I'm stubborn. I'm going to sure. keep this motorcycle. Yeah. And so when I go to buds, when I go to SEAL team training, I was like, I'm going to make it or I'm going to die. Ooh. And I said, there's no fit in there. There's nothing. There is no chance I'm going to fail out of anything. And I graduated, you know, one of the number one, you know, buds candidates. I was like number one enlisted out of everybody. 
you know, running, swimming, doing an obstacle course, doing all the stuff. I finished number one and nearly, you know, or number two in nearly every evolution we ever did. Because mm-hmm. I was at the point when I was just like, I'm not going to fail and I'm going to crush this thing so hard. And then I'm like, hey, I finished first. Wait, what happened? <laughs> and then he do it again. You're like, I'm going to crush it. And then six months ended up, and I'm going to crush it. And going, hey, uh, hey, uh, and I think at the time I was like, Petty Officer Third Class, hey, uh, hey, Petty Officer Peck, you're on, you're number one. And I was like, oh, all right. Uh, I got to pick up my SEAL team. Well, how so I picked my team, which most other SEALs, when you grad, when you graduate BUDS, you don't get to pick your orders. Sure. You just mm-hmm. tell them, and they send you wherever they want. What SEAL but, team were you, were you on? Let me. Let so me, I, well, um, I went to SEAL Team 1. Yeah, let, one? Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let, let me ask you this, Chief, before you answer Colin's question. Colin is also a veteran. He's a, a former Army guy. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. Great dude. Um, but my question to you is, how much do you attribute wrestling to your being able to withstand buds? I'm a big fan of wrestling. I think it's huge. It molds uh, young men and women now because women can can grapple. And they're, they're some of the best wrestlers out there, women. Um especially in amateur wrestling nowadays and jujitsu. Um, yeah. But how much do you attribute wrestling to your being able to withstand the mental part? Because wrestlers to me are some of the mentally strong, strongest people I know. Yeah. I mean, I attribute that a lot. Wrestling is exactly what you said. The, uh, the one-on-one combative type sports. So you do wrestling, martial arts, jujitsu. Uh, I would love it if people would do um, like judo and then go to karate because they want to know they're, up, they're rolling around mm-hmm. sure. and you really control your body. So judo is a way, great way to do that. And wrestling too. And then get into the uh, mixed martial arts and all that stuff. That's, that's individual, you know, mental toughness, but it's you in the ring. There's nobody else there helping you. When you train, you train at a point when you get in the ring Nobody's helping you. You you live or die by how hard you worked out and what you put in. You know, the sweat, you know, during peacetime is going to make us bleed less in war. Got it. That's powerful right there. You just train, train, train. And I think Colin just asked a question about dev group. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing with that is I I was a top performer. I, I did everything, and I never... For me getting orders anywhere I went, I never asked for orders. I always had people asking me to go places. And so when I left SEAL Team 1, I was asked to go to the headquarters to um, build a mission planning uh, programs. And then after I left there, I was asked to go somewhere else to go do some other stuff. Then I got asked to go somewhere else. And I started building up all these skills. I was flying UAVs. I was doing all the sneaky, speaky stuff. And I went to one of those agencies up in uh, northern someplace and uh <laughs> i got a lot of skills and so this was like the sneaking and peeking and cameras and audio stuff sure. and breaking cars i think i still have a record for breaking into one of the cars nice. to be 41 it was toyota celica nah. and a celica so i broke into a toyota celica and it was open the door up started up and drive away in 41 seconds and they still use that for the um training videos of me breaking into this toyota nice <laughs> <laughs> all these skills and I was really good at it and they asked me to go there they said hey we want somebody that flies UAVs and has all these tech skills and is a SEAL because we need people to go into places that you have to have your SEAL team skills just in case something happens because you're in some really hairy spots 
And so I went into dev group in a very special position. So I wasn't a second decker, uh, <laughs> second decker. <laughs> Isn't that when you poop in the top of a toilet? Absolutely. That's a, that's a double decker. Yeah, right? that's a double decker, but well played. Well played, I chief. I wasn't like a door kicker. I was there for like just very technical stuff and fine UAVs and then doing, you know, those skills that I learned at those other government agencies. And uh, so I didn't do green team and all that stuff because I didn't have to because I went there directly to do a different job that none of those other guys wanted to do or even could do because yeah. they didn't have training. And then I left there and uh, an astronaut CEO asked me to go to um, SOCOM to build some stuff for him. And uh, I said, so, so uh, boss, this is Bill Shepard, the astronaut. Oh, Bill Shepard. I said, hey, boss. So awesome Bill Shepard. He said, yeah, Bill Shepard is awesome. He's yes. one of my mentors. He's one of the heroes I always talk about. Yes, I've seen so, you. So when I was at Dev Group, I built these uh, flyaway kits for doing like on the spot um, improvements to, you know, some camera systems, vehicles, airplanes, UAVs. I had these flyaway kits. And so he said, I want you to make these for all the special forces, the Rangers, the Green Berets, all those dudes, everybody, all the SEALs. And I was like, okay. I said, how much money do I have to start building this program? He said, well, there's no money. How many people? I said, you don't have any people. And I said, all right. So I had no money, no people. And then within six months, I had 28 dudes trained. And with all the kits, millions of dollars, $12 million. And we all flew to Afghanistan and started doing stuff in Afghanistan. Mm. So so I'm an innovator. I'm able to take stuff and make something out of nothing and make it happen. Beautiful. That's why why I got asked to Dev Group because I'm an action person. If you want something done then I'm going to figure it out. If you have a problem, the CNO had this one problem that was somewhere overseas that was going on. They were working on this thing for a year. Yeah. Brought me into the room. They said, hey, you're kind of a think tank person and a technical person. Take a look at this problem and see if you can solve this problem. And the CNO's office and all their tech people and all the other people at the Pentagon working on this one project for like a year. And I went in there, and then the next day I came in with a solution, and I gave it to them. And they were like, holy shit. <laughs> and I solved a year-long problem in, in, like, a little more than a day. And they built it. It's still super classified. That's why I'm not giving you any. Sure. Like, sure. It's still, like, it's a highly classified program. And they built it into an entire program and a whole bunch of other stuff. Nice. Like, that's what I do, man. Give me a problem, and I'm going to figure it well, out. Do you want to ask your question, babe? What did you have for uh, Chief? You had one. I did. I also had, you just said a term that I'd never heard before. It was astronaut seal. Is that really? Astro seal. Astro seal. I've never heard that before. I'm just. We have two astro seals. Two. Yeah. So a seal team guy who went, two of them. So it's a seal team guy that went through all the seal team training and all that. Went to us. No, we have three now. I'm sorry. So we have three astro seals now. Because um, what was his name? Chew. He's a doctor too. So it's a doctor. Astro Steel is the third one. But it's um, it's like SDVers and like you're riding around in submarines. You know all that stuff. It's very close quarter. Uh oh. What happened? I think you broke out. Oh, no, we got nope, you. There we are again. <laughs> it just like went black. Being a SEAL team and doing SDVs and doing all this stuff, That's you're awful. like the perfect astronaut. Yeah, yeah. no, that absolutely. makes sense. 
there you have the strength, the go-to, the non-quitting attitude. You know, when all those movies show hatches being blown off and people being blown out in space, yeah. it seems like everything that happens in space, there's always like something really bad going on. And you have to have people figure stuff out. Right. But that's the SEAL team motto, man. Yeah. So we have three Astro SEALs. That's amazing. So, and I, I don't I, think there's any Green Berets that went to space. It makes sense, though. The All right, we're back. Right, I don't know back. what the fuck happened. Was that me or is that you guys? I don't we know. don't know. But <laughs> who cares? I'm just glad you hung on. If that I have happens, bars. Were you guys recording it when I started talking about the coolest mission and thing I did in the No, sales? no. Go with that. That's what we were working on. I already talked about it. I can't talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when Forrest Gump was like going, the coolest thing I ever do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, I to about that. So one of the coolest missions I was on, and I wouldn't say it was like the coolest mission, but I was, uh, we were going after one of the big warlords. It was like a, you know, one of the, um, he was like drug runner, kingpin, and warlord on the uh, border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. When we were going in to get him, it was, uh, it was pretty quiet. We were going in real quiet. And then suddenly all hell breaks loose and explosions and stuff just starts going on. So we just start running and kicking the doors in. And we kick in his door, but he already had time to wake up. So the dude's getting up, and he's going back to the back corner of his room to get guns. His wife is on the ground, and all the SEALs are now four of us. I busted in. I think it was number two. So it was like number one guy went here, number two was here. I was there. And then we're all in the room now, four dudes lined up on him. And he's got another guy coming in the back there. So it's just like, it's chaos. Oh. But inside the middle of that room is a baby's crib. And uh, a, a kid old enough to be able to stand up was kind of like up and wailing. And a mom was on the ground crying. She's safe because she's on the ground. I think we broke up again. Nope, we're, we're there. Oh, God. So where, where did you miss? No, we, no, we heard you, all We that. heard you. You keep going. So, so, so the mom's, so the mom's on, on the ground, so she's safe. And now this kid is standing up in the middle of the room with like the dab, you know, shooting across oh. all the stuff that's going on. So I put my gun on my side. I run in the middle of the room. I grab the baby. I do my body armor kind of oh. to the back. That I was kind of like, I was trying to get the kid out of danger, you know? That's but, awesome. I, but the fucking drug lord was just shooting in the room. In the, all of them, yeah, they don't care. But that, the thing is, that like, kind of shit needs to be in a movie. Yes. <laughs> I never will be. But the thing is, like, that's, what, that's what I feel like my whole life has been, you know, is that there's chaos and there's just stuff going on all around us. And there's innocence being being yeah. hurt. Yeah. There's innocent folks that are, that are being taken advantage of. That stuff is going on. And I see that also as the American way. That America, we are that, like, we're supposed to be the ones out there saving the babies. We're supposed to be the ones yes. seeing chaos and trying to fix the situation. And I see sometimes that sometimes we make some of the chaos, yeah. you know, it's really disappointing. And that's what I want to try to, and that probably segues right into political office. Yeah. Cause people that, don't know that you ran for office highly successfully. You got a lot of votes. You almost pulled it off. I came in second place yeah. behind the uh, minority whip, the Democrat minority whip. Yep. Mm. So Steny Hoyer is like one of the most powerful Democrats in office. He's been in there for like 36 years now. Ooh. So the guy has like when he raises money, he does it by the millions. When I was raising money, I had ten bucks. Exactly. So That's I was running Uncle with Randy just me it. and one other person was helping me, and we had a budget of like a thousand dollars total. Nice. So, but I came in second, so that was cool. Yeah, keep going, but, Chief. We can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Here, I I had my camera. I thought I could switch the camera. Oh, there it is. Let me just switch my camera real quick. Cool. 
I don't know why it's not letting me switch camera. I don't know, but I blame William Bedford. He's our Comcast guy here in town. I was going to move and get better Wi-Fi, but it's not letting me change. Yeah, I blame Will Bedford. I'm going to have to tag him in this. This is subpar. So weird, man. I'm sorry. No, can you edit can, this? Yeah, and everybody can there hear you, you. Everybody can hear you, Chief. So keep going. There, um, how's that? Here, you got me now, right? We can hear you. We can't see you, though. Oh, and ours is... And quit doing it. This is... Ours is... I don't think they can hear her either when it goes down. I don't know. We're going to have to wrap it up then. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to keep doing this all night. We're not connected right now, but I'm fucking done. Hello. All right. We got you. Oh, I see you again. Oh, are you going to show us your yes. table? Beautiful. So here's the war room. Ooh. So here's my TV. Here's the big screen TV. And then well, check, check that out. Hell yeah. Nazi knife that was captured in World War II by like an uncle or somebody. Yes. And there's beautiful. <laughs> hey, Chief, uh, Brooke's got a question for you. She's been waiting to ask for a, a while. Go ahead, go, ahead, go ahead and ask it, babe. So you uh, said this is my question. What is your personal weapon collection like? Not, not just the one that was hanging on the wall that's like your... <laughs> <laughs> from World War Two, but yeah. So, so I live in New York, so I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And and what, so have, what does that mean? I have a shotgun and I have a, a three hundred Win Mag. You have everything that's legal you know, in New York. <laughs> a lot, everything. That's and I have legal. a motorcycle in my garage. Here you go. Hell yeah! So this is my living room. Right there. Nice. You guys remember this motorcycle, right? Here's my welding helmet. So you see the back poster on it? Yes. That is awesome. I have, I have some Beautiful. when I'm taking apart and doing some stuff. Should I show the smoke sticks? Is that one? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Fucking guns, girl. Here's, Damn. Here's so I don't know if any of y'all saw what I built here. So here's the... No, yes, that's the table that's I was talking table. about. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can see around it, it says basically... Curved in the side, it says hail right there. It's hail. It's all in uh, runes, so it says hail. Awesome. So yeah, and just so, the- oh, just and so, there's your friend. Hi, just friend. so we're clear, Chief, you are Hi. gonna you're gonna send me a Hello, knife, buddy. and I'm gonna send you your hatchet. Right? We've agreed. This is a yeah, this is an agreement. Sure. All right, I got a question yep. for you here, Chief. Um, Probably your Wi-Fi because I'm walking around all over the place. Yeah. My Wi-Fi is good. No, it's ours. It's a. I'm blaming Will Benford in our neighborhood. He's our Comcast guy that sells Xfinity, and he fucked us. And I'm putting him on blast. He'll fix it. He's a champion, but he fucked us right here. And uh, I blame that on him. So Will Benford, so step your game up. Um, but Chief, I got to ask you this. So I remember a couple years ago. You're breaking up again. Oh motherfucker! All right, can you hear me? All right, I'm still here, Chief. Tell me when you can hear me. Yeah, this is definitely a Will Benford uh, special. He has straight up 
fucked us here. There you are, Chief. Can you hear me? You're back on. I can hear you now. All right, good. I'm, I'm going to slap the slap the dog piss out of Will Bufer. We got, we got 9.98 on the speeds. It's subpar. No, we don't. 176. But, but check this out. Um, my question to you is this. I remember when Donald Trump tweeted that transgender will not serve in the United States military. But what I more remember is your response. You You tweeted him back. And what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. What what are you getting on our speed? It was 170 something and then it and then I got an error when I said test again. Now it's oh, shit. 150. But... Oh my God. All right, there you are, Chief. I'm, I'm going to slap uh, Benford here soon. Um, but so let me finish my question. So I remember when Trump tweeted about the transgender cannot serve in the United States military. And you tweeted him back, which I thought was a champion move, which is why I love you. You tweeted him back, hey, Donald Trump, say that to my face. Let's talk. And you weren't just being like a, a, an asshole or a tough guy. You were like, let's debate. I want to talk to you about this. Kind of explain that because that made you a champion in my eyes. Well, the thing is, like, he said he spoke to his generals and he said he spoke to a lot of folks but the fact is, is i know he didn't because i was working with people within the pentagon on a different policy and procedures on having transgender people accepted for service you know to be have open service so there's a lot of people within the pentagon and all the policies were almost finished through the obama administration by the time trump got in office and said that so there was nobody was really there was people that are upset and people that were fighting against it. But the fact was it was going to happen. It was working and he didn't have all the information or, or maybe he was talking to Jerry Falwell to advise him on things, you know, on military things. Sure. But there's 15,000 transgender people serving, you know, possibly more sure. uh, right now currently in, in the military. And so they're all doing a good job. I was in the military. I did a good job. I did it for 20 years. Yep. And I'm transgender. Yep. I didn't just start being transgender when I retired. Yep. I was transgender the whole time. Absolutely. It's just that I was not able to talk about it or serve openly, you know, because I would have been kicked out during my time of service. Mm -hmm. so, but there's a, and I know that there's, you know, a half a dozen transgender Navy SEALs. There's, uh, Probably about 15 uh, gay Navy SEALs that I know of. Yep. So it's not like the SEALs are uh, cross, you know, we're a cross section of, you know, America. Yep. You know, and you want the percentages out of the amount, just a lot more. I know there are, but everybody just kind of hides and they go, well, I don't want everybody to be mad at me. And I like to go to the, you know, SEAL team reunions sure. and the picnics and not picked on because you don't want to be teased. It's like, so social pressure makes people do stuff. So, I don't know. Well, let me ask the, you. Uh, 
I wanted to talk to Trump in person, get in there with the administration, and maybe do some advising and let them know, hey, these are all the facts. Yeah. And one of the facts is Canada, our neighbor right there to the north, has had transgender service people serving openly for over 20 years. And they have all the policies. They've been doing it forever in Britain and Israel and, you know, Sweden, Norway, Australia. You know, there's so many countries all around the world who have open transgender service people. And yeah. there's not there's no big deals, you know. It's not a problem. So he needed to have all these facts, have it all laid out there. And it has nothing to do with religion. Sure. You know, everybody throws the Bible at us, but the Bible was changed by King James. The Bible was changed by every person that was in power over the last 150 years before it kind of got set in stone, possibly after King James it kind of got set a little bit better. But the Bible, there's all kinds of work in there. They were totally changed to meet the person that was in leadership or to meet their current, you know, feelings on stuff. Yeah. But the word homosexual, the word gay, the word transgender, all that stuff, everything they're talking about, none of that stuff was in the Bible. Well, let me ask you this, Chief, and this is for for the people listening. I know they want to know this, and we talked about this two years ago, but they probably haven't listened to that. But so, what's it like, right? I've I've read or I've heard interviews with uh, former teammates of yours, right, where they talked about uh, Chris Beck was the crazy motherfucker that would volunteer for the craziest missions, like just anything. He was cool to do, down to do whatever. And yeah. they kind of allotted to that in your documentary about like that you were almost suicidal and aligned it to the fact that like, you know, you hadn't been able to live your truth yet. And that was causing you like you were like, fuck it, man, I'll do whatever. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. I'm down. And so you went into probably the most hostile job in the SEALs. And I want you to kind of explain that to to the listeners where they would basically drop you off in a village. Right. And say, hey, make peace. Good day. <laughs> yeah, something a little bit like that, but not really. Okay. But they, go ahead. I have their pants exactly like that, but they're actually shorts and they're pink and they're, they're, they're not like that at all. But the um, I I did a lot of missions, and I would definitely volunteer for stuff that that probably a lot of normal people probably wouldn't. But it had nothing to do with being suicidal. That was somebody that wrote that in a book Got who it. had some. Psychology BS, sure. and I hate people who are psychologists that put stuff, you know, put notions or put things out that they think they know what's gone inside of my head. And so that was a crazy psychologist that was making stuff up to try to make themselves look even better than they were because mm-hmm. they had like, inside knowledge. So it's total bullshit. So no, it wasn't. It was just the fact that just like I did with everything else in my life, I just went for the hardest and went for like the, 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 toughest jobs and if it had to be done i could do it i'll figure out a way to do it but so that is true though right wasn't your job though where you actually were dropped off in some some small villages in uh, i believe you said afghanistan or i could be wrong but your job was to kind of try to get them to to be peaceful and and get out of the way right or am i remembering that wrong i was doing the same thing in bosnia i was working with uh the serbs and Croats. i was working with you know all the different groups over there and we were always trying to work with them in different uh, methods and tools that we learned from the, uh, those other agencies. Yep. But it was the same thing. that They would give us, bring us into a village and we talked to warlords. I had Taliban dudes, like straight up Taliban, sitting at a table across from me. 
And we had to try to figure stuff out and try to work out what's going on, you know, what can we do? So it's definitely, you know, somebody's talking about Canadians. But, but it, was, it, was some, it was some tough jobs, you know, and, yeah. uh, and that's what I would do. So it was negotiations and sometimes a negotiation, you know, with lead pills, you know. Yeah. And I have had a couple of people ask me about your championship level beard that you could grow back in the day. They've seen the pictures. Uncle Randy's got an iconic beard. All right. I'm going to tell you, Chief, a lot of people, a lot of people consider this America's beard. I'm just going to say it. They've named it that. Whatever you want to take from the that. The tens of people. But I've so, heard somebody say America's beard. Whenever they talk about Uncle Randy. Yeah, so, they, yeah, America's beard. I remember you text me or replied to a text one time about uh, how to take care of, because I, I believe we showed the thing where Brooke waxed my underarms, and you were talking about, like, get the laser treatment, right? Isn't that the way? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I've, did, I've done laser, and I've done other stuff, and you know what? Uh, like I did a little bit of blush and some, a little bit of lipstick today, just so I looked a little bit presentable. But no, you I've look great. You look great. Before. So I don't, I don't do a lot of makeup. I don't. Really, my nails are all screwed up. I just like I'm starting to find that all of that stuff it's window dressing. You know, sure. All that stuff is going to be. It doesn't really matter in the end. What really matters is what's in your heart. You know, and and what you do. You know, and so I think that people. If they think that being transgender is all about the clothing, they're 100% wrong. You know, when they think that if you're transgender, you never get to wear the clothes, do all that. It doesn't matter because it's not about the clothes. It's not about makeup. It's not about anything. It's about how you feel about yourself. Yeah. It's when you look in the mirror. Yeah. You know, when you're alone, and I think that everybody should do this, you know, when you're 100% alone and you're looking in the mirror, really look at yourself. And then ask yourself, who is this? Who is that person right there? Yeah. Is that a good person? What are, what's their fiber? What's their, it's just like doing a Viking toast and boast. Mm-hmm. You know, really question yourself and really dig in there. And it has nothing to do with clothing or makeup when you're doing that kind of introspection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I leave most of that stuff behind. I get rid of most of it. I don't care. Just being so, comfortable so, in your own skin. Basically. So let me ask you this, though, Chief. <laughs> um, why? Because this is to the to the layman's. I, I've read about this and heard about it. But why are Navy SEALs allowed to grow powerful beards and no one else can? What's the reasoning, Chief? Because we can. Because <laughs> y'all That's have all the ultimate badass. Boom. Boom. <laughs> the military, they just don't have enough um, to grow those beards. Yeah. So if they're like, they're just walking around, they can't grow a beard. They're just like, I want to grow a beard, but they can't grow it because they just don't have, you know, the the gusto, mm-hmm. the macho, but we've been walking around. We like at, at, in two days, I got a beard like what you got. Yeah. No, here, no, here's the, here's the truth of it. So <laughs> in Afghanistan and over in the middle East and pretty much everywhere you work, if you don't have a beard, then they won't even really talk to you. They sure. don't, Cause they don't think of you like a man. Yeah. And then you're, that's one thing. And so they treat you differently. If you have a beard, especially if you have a powerful beard. Now, the other thing is if I'm, you saw pictures of me when I'm overseas and I, you know, I got a bakul on and I got all the mm-hmm. stuff and I got a big beard. Now, if I'm sitting there with a bakul and all the stuff on, I got an AK 47, like you used to always carry. And, a, and somebody sees me as Taliban dude sees me from a hundred yards away. He's not going to shoot at me. Sure. But if I see him, I know he's, and I just, I get first shot every time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a surprise. Too. Shit, what was? Oh, okay. It's, it's classified. 
Yeah, sure, absolutely. But and Islam is uh, a side of manhood mm-hmm. in Islam. So uh, I want to talk. I want to give a shout out for one because uh, I'm waiting for the day when we've talked about this before. When you come to Atlanta, we're having beers together, me, you, and but that's already decided. It's just a matter of this COVID thing getting out of the way because when you are here, it is our treat. Beers. You have a place to stay if you want. You're welcome. We love you, Chief. Um, but so, how have your Navy SEALs brethren? Um, handled it since you, because you, you know you've been a big deal. You had a documentary made. You had a book made that you weren't happy with, like you were talking about. Some authors take some, some they they fuck you over a little bit, and they go uh, their own way with some bullshit and agents and all that. But your actual brothers in arms, seals, how have they been? And let's talk a little bit about Robert O'Neill, who killed Bin Laden, and how he. I want to get him with us too. Should we call him on the phone and see what he's up to? <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. But I do love that guy. There's there's a lot of SEALs who are still, they don't understand and they're upset. And it's like, dude, what were you upset at me for? You know, sure. what am I doing? Right. I'm actually making the SEALs look really tough because you know how freaking tough you have to be to live my life right now? You know? So. Yeah. The SEALs think that I'm taking away from their toughness and I'm making them their Superman and they can't have that image of being Superman. It's like, no, nah, man, I'm uh, I'm living my life and this is tougher than you'd ever imagine. Yeah. Sure. Walk a day. So those guys that think I'm taking away from the SEALs or I'm doing something for publicity or I'm doing something to make money off of it. It's like, dude, I'm not I'm actually poor now because of everything <laughs> I'm doing. So before I came out as Kristen, I had a job and I was making $200,000 a year. And then job, that job's gone. And now I'm living on my retirement disability. Yeah. You know? So me doing this has nothing to do with money. Me doing this for publicity. What kind of publicity am I coming on here to be with Uncle Randy? Absolutely. You know, it's like I don't, I don't search for publicity. But if I am able to have the opportunity to get a soapbox and be able to talk a little bit about like this, like we're doing right now. Yeah. Can you make the education of somebody that might be able to hear now from somebody? When was the last time somebody transgender spoke to somebody that's living up there in the hills in West Virginia mm-hmm. and has never heard of it? No, it's and now, he, and now he's like, dang, that person was, seems kind of cool. Okay. Maybe I won't beat up anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So can can people buy any of your art, Chief, like right now? Is there a place where they can go and buy any of your, whether it's forging, paintings, any of the art that you produce? Because I know you're a creative person. Hell, you and Uncle Randy, we're a lot alike. Hell, we're creators, sons. We make things happen. But can people buy that? Yes. So I sold um, I sold some Kraken Hackens to a guy in Germany. So in German, the word for hook is hacken. So, but I made these things that has like octopus arms ah. on it. And so they look like the kraken, like the mm-hmm. sea animal. Mm-hmm. And so I nicknamed it kraken hackens. So oh, I, I sold guess. those in Germany. I sold some uh, horseshoe hooks for somebody to hang their bridles and tack on. But uh, so what? <laughs> so what I'm doing is I'm putting everything on Facebook Marketplace. Beautiful. And if you follow me, if you follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram or Twitter and all that stuff, you'll constantly see me. I put up my paintings and when I put something up and you really dig it, just um write a note on it. Don't send me messages because I don't do private messaging on any of those platforms. But if you comment on the item, I'll see that. Yeah. And you say, Hey, 
like this earth ring right here. Yeah. Like if someone commented on the earth ring and said, Hey, I'll give you 500 bucks on the earth ring. I'd be like, all right, here you go. Mm-hmm. And I would pack it up and send it to you. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I'd have to, I want to keep a little bit of money so I can pay off some of the Ford stuff, but I would put in, you know, out of, out of a hundred bucks, I'll do, you know, 80 or $90 into the nonprofit mm-hmm. to try to pay stuff off and to keep it going. So, so if you send me any money for some of my stuff, I've got stuff going into nonprofits all the time. So, now, how, uh, so for, for the people asking, so from what you know, how is Robert doing? Robert O'Neill, it's out, you know, he's got a book. I've, uh, I've talked to Robert, thanks to Kristen, because um, we've been working for about a year trying to get him and his wife to try to, to power battle me and my wife on a podcast together. Um, but how is he doing? He's a great dude. He's obviously a champion, and you guys are uh, our buddies. How's he doing? Hang on a second. I'm going to... Oh, oh beautiful. Gosh. This is incredible. <laughs> Folks, this is breaking news. Oh, my gosh. Let's see what, let's see what he does. Dude. It's hard, it's hard to tell sometimes what he's up to. <laughs> If he answers, son, you're in for a treat. This is double Navy SEALs. You're welcome. It's like it's like an infinity mirror. Like, <laughs> now he might he might be out doing something, so he's not picking up. All right. Well, so explain to that though, because I've got a couple people that have asked this, and uh, since he's not answering though, what's the double tap to the to the the, the normal folk that don't know what that is because that's become kind of iconic with Robert O'Neill killing Osama bin Laden. Oh, I thought you were talking about like if you have your girlfriend. Yes, you that's that's how I would take it too, <laughs> Chief. Absolutely. So the um, in the old days it was called the um, uh, uh, God, why am I messing it up? It was two to the chest, one to the head. It was yeah. Mozambique. Ooh. So in the old days, he used to train, you know, hit two to the chest because it's a bigger body area and you can really get the shot in there. But then he had to start considering a lot of guys are two to the chest, one to the head. So that's, a, that's called a Mozambique. So that was the old old school way to do it. And it came from like the 60s or 70s. And then so you're there and you go pop up and then you go one up to the head to do the finish shot. But now we have everybody wearing body armor. You got a lot of stuff going on. And so for us – we don't even mess with Mozambique anymore. We just go two straight to the head. Mm. And so that's all it was, was if you have a train of guys coming in and you got a guy standing there, the first guy in would go two to the head and then he starts clearing down the hallway and doing whatever he's doing. Then the second guy is right behind him within like a quarter of a second. The next guy, it's like, bup, bup, bup. so that guy, before he even starts going to the ground, he's probably already got six bullets in his head. What? <laughs> wow. And, that's the fact because wow. we're going in there so fast and everything's moving so quick that if that guy and the way it, the way it was portrayed was he was there in a position where he was right at the top of the steps and going in there. And so you had one, two, three, mm. you had a bunch of guys going in there really quick. And so he, he definitely had at least four, maybe six shots in his skull before he dropped to the ground. So for, for, for the other people listening, Chief, that have never looked into this, they have no, and I, I can understand. Hell, there was a time when Uncle Randy wasn't, wasn't a champion. was he holding a wife in front of him, too? Yes, and what's it, so so what's it like, Chief, when you're you're highly trained? I know that, that SEALs spend months training for whatever the mission. So the guys that were going into Bin Laden's compound, I can only imagine they had a, a scale replica of the building somewhere. We're training it, whatever. But when you when you drop out of the chopper and you go in and you kick the night vision on, 
What's the adrenaline like, or do you go fall back onto your training? Are you guys that highly trained? And by you guys, I mean you people. Um, are you that yep. highly trained that you just go into automatic? Well, if you're a wrestler, and all the folks out there that played football or did any sports, it's like the kickoff. So before the kickoff, you have some butterflies, and you kind of got it going. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the ball is kicked in the air, you're just going. And yep. then you're on the instincts, and you're just going because you know the plays, mm-hmm. and you start going to business. And so that's the way it is for us. Wasn't there a dog yeah. there too? Yeah. What's that? Was there a dog there too on that mission? Yeah, there, were, yeah, there was. Do we have many dogs? Well, so. did, didn't it, like there was a dog that jumped out of the helicopter with Laden's all of them to, to get yeah. God, fucking badasses. I love dogs so much. And chief, <laughs> by the way, I want to mention this. If you come back before we're uh, uh, wrapped up, can you still hear us, chief? No. no. All right, this is good. There you are, just Chief. All of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you can figure all this out, right? And make it more. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Brooke is a magician with that. She's the IT. Uh. But I wanted to ask you this because I've seen you working with dogs. You're a huge advocate for service dogs. Yep. Um, you're big on that. Lives. Yes, absolutely. But I've seen you. There's a video that you put on your Facebook where you're training a dog or working with a dog and you're speaking to it clearly in just German commands and it's a bell and wah i would imagine um why did they use german do you know is there a reason i don't know i mean it's a more graceful language than english isn't it it is everything's everything sounds fucking mean way more championship level (laughs) but it's like it's like everything that you do it has to be like single word um commands and very uh abrupt and very like that and when the dogs start getting trained you can train in any language you want, mm-hmm. but these, these a lot of these dogs come from Germany, and so that's just the training that they have from the beginning. Yeah, many times, and so we just continue it that way. That so, and sense. it just sounds cool. It does. It absolutely <laughs> does. You guys broke up again. Dang, you're yeah. Wi-Fi man. No, this is uh, this is subpar. We've got a guy here too that uh, handles this. And uh, we're going to have a discussion with him uh, <laughs> offline. Yeah. I have alerted him, and he's been on the case. This is our neighborhood uh, Comcast guy. But, uh, Holy cow, dude. Yeah, it's, been, uh, it's never been this bad either, but it's because you're such a good interview, Chief. This, has been, yeah. this is so awesome. And we can't thank you enough. People are, are writing in how glad they are. Everybody loves you. You're amazing. And so I want to wrap up, Chief. With so my, dog, my dog is not a German Shepherd. He's My not? dog is an Alsatian wolf dog. Really? Sweet. I thought your dog was a German Shepherd. Well, originally German Shepherds are called Alsatian ah! wolf. Sure. So it's Alsace-Lorraine area of uh, Europe. Yeah. You know, the Germany, Alsace. So Alsatian. Ah. I think you guys broke up again. Oh, I can, yeah, see, I can the, see her down here. This is the last one. We're going to end up... Uh, there you go. Oh my gosh, puppy! Oh my, the gog. Is that a gas mask? No, goggles. How baby? How baby dog? That is incredible. I love that dog. Oh my gosh. 
Wow. Is Brooke, that, is in, Brooke is in love. I know. She is an I animal love dogs lover, so chief. much. <laughs> so if you go to my uh, Instagram, I posted that uh, video of me on my sidecar. I saw that. Yeah, the dog loves it. He's uh, riding a sidecar. Was he wearing the goggles when he was in there? No, because I was only going like a half mile. Oh. So in there. But uh, I'm going to get welding glasses for him and put the welding yeah. thing in here. So then he can watch me when I'm welding. Beautiful. He's amazing. He's so sweet. Cool dog. Beautiful. Chief, so bef- before we drop again. Oh, beautiful. These are called Rex Yes. I love it. They're made for dogs. Like it's got a huge nose on it. That's for the awesome. Snout. So, really cool guy. I love it. Our dog would be like. Oh, so, Chief, before we go, because we're going to let you go, because I don't want to keep uh, holding you up and this uh, internet issue. We've already got a champion in our neighborhood that's going to work on getting us changed over. We're going to go to another carrier. This is subpar. I'm embarrassed. But I want you to tell everybody, how can they follow you? How can they uh, support you? Because I know that COVID, COVID's hurt a lot of people in this country. But with you and your job, because you were trying, you spoke. You know, I mean, that was one of your income means was going around speaking. And that's not possible now. Um, so how can they support you and reach out to you and follow you? So all of my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even my Venmo account, and I think my other stuff, like all my payment stuff, everything's all the same. Even my Gmail address, everything's the same. Lady Valor. It's Valor. <laughs> it's like Valor, Valor, the number four us. Valor for us. So if you go on to my Instagram, my Instagram handle is the same handle for everything across the board. You can even Venmo, Venmo me money to Valor for us, and that's how I get paid for like the dude in um, – in Germany for my hacking, cracking hacking. Beautiful. <laughs> nice. When I do the knives and I do the forging and stuff, people send me money on Venmo, Valor for us. And for your nonprofit and stuff like that? For a nonprofit, you'll just have to send me a note individually. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's called Mindful Valor. And you can get the website, which is a, we have a cheesy website. We try to spend almost no money on overhead. Sure. So we have zero overhead. Nobody gets paid. There's no money in anything. All we do is try to take everything and put it into veterans and other stuff. Beautiful. So mindfulvalor.org. Well, uh, let me tell you, Chief, uh, you know that you got two fans and friends here. The Brooke and I, we've been big fit since the day we met you. We love you. Um, but here in our community, because we do a lot of podcasts around our community here, it's in Canton, Georgia. Uh, our little subdivision is called Town Lake. Town uh, Mill. Town Mill. I'm more, fi- more fire Town Bill, Mill. Randall. I'm fire. Um, but everyone here loves you. They, wanna, they want you to know that they support you and thank you for your service and uh, to continue doing what you're doing with the community. And uh, I'm going to get you that hatchet. I'm going to text you when we're done, get your uh, new address. I'm going to send it, and I'm going to be waiting on my uh, Skinner from you, and I'm going to post it up here in the studio. I have a Skinner that I already started making, but Beautiful. I think I might give you the first one I ever made. Ooh. Beautiful. Serial number one. Nice. I nice. Will, I will treasure that, and so will Brooke, yes. and uh, we will love you. And everybody, follow Chief on uh, all the socials, and be on the lookout for more uh, forged art uh, from Chief and find out ways that you can uh, donate. And we'll put all the socials in our uh, show notes, Chief. But uh, we can't uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank we love you. Thank you so you. much, Kristen. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, we'll talk to you soon, Chief. 
All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. Everybody, uh, we'll talk to you all later. Be cool to each other, and uh, we'll holler later. Yep. See you guys. See ya. Bye.